Welcome to The Changemakers, the podcast from Seven Hills, where we delve into the lessons from life in the lockdown, from those who are living it, learning from it, and leading organizations through it. Now, my guest today is the founder of Cobra Beer, a crossbench peer, Chancellor of the University of Birmingham, and also, all things being equal, the next president of the CBI, the Confederation of British Industry. He is Lord Billamoria of Chelsea. His business tagline used to be impossibly smooth. Now it's brewed smooth for all food. But to welcome our impossibly smooth guest, Lord Billamoria of Chelsea, Karen, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you on The Changemakers. Hello, Michael. Great to be with you. Now, we've got to start with the fact that, of course, you had the coronavirus um, and um, the Prime Minister uh, described it as uh, akin to being mugged. Was that your experience of it also? It was something that happened very suddenly. I was leading my usual back-to-back life and suddenly on the 15th of March, out of nowhere, I felt very, very seriously ill. And I had all the symptoms, uh, the fever and the aching pains and muscle pains and bones and and then eventually the loss of, uh, of, of um, a sense of smell and taste, which I've never had in my life. And it took me two weeks to get over it. The most frustrating thing for me was not being able to be tested because just before I got ill, the government withdrew all testing for the public and was only testing um, within hospitals, not even for the NHF staff. That's what really, I mean, I, I think that when the head of the WHO said right at the beginning of March, to the whole world, test, 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 we've only just got around to it now. I mean, in terms of your experience of having gone through it, I mean, has your has your view about the risk, the danger, the effects of this changed as a consequence of that? What it has really taught me is that it is something that is highly contagious and anyone can get it. Now, do you get it in a way that I got it? And unfortunately, it was not comfortable. It wasn't nice, but I got through it and I'm fine. And hopefully I'm immune to it. And I've had my antibodies tested, so I know I've got the antibodies. But if do you want to go through it in the way the prime minister went through it, where it is so dangerous, that, that just shows that anyone can get it. Yes, the majority of people are elderly people who get it. Mm. But it is, it, anyone can get it. I mean, in terms of where we are now, then, I mean, you, met, you mentioned um, the, the need for the acceleration of, of testing. But in terms of how confident you feel, I suppose, about the level of threat and our ability to address it from a social perspective, and then the ability of the economy to get back on its feet, give us a compare and contrast in terms of where we need to get to. There's a health crisis, and there's an economy crisis and it's a global crisis and it's a demand shock and it's a supply shock and it's a domino effect that goes all the way back to the supply chain both domestically and globally so everyone is affected by it all around the world and i cannot think of any other situation even the global financial crisis there were areas that may not be affected as others but here everyone everywhere in the world india country 1.3 billion people is in lockdown so that's what's so massive about this. I mean, it is very difficult to deal with. And also the contagious aspect of it, there is no running away from it. It is Mm. contagious. And we have to get on top of it from a health point of view. But also side by side, you're seeing that the economy is being hugely damaged. So the sooner we get the economy working again, the better. You're likely to take the helm of the CBI at possibly the most perilous moment for British business 
Certainly in, in our lifetimes. I mean, arguably, possibly even ever. I mean, in terms of the to-do list, Bill Gates has estimated that this might be a crisis that takes two years to mop up. In terms of the fitness of the economy and the fitness of the body of uh, British business to actually weather that storm, how, how do you rate it? We are, relatively speaking, in a strong position. Our economy was doing reasonably well. We didn't have high growth by any means, but we are a pretty resilient uh, economy as a country. We've got really strong institutions, resilient institutions across the board. We've got expertise in every field you can imagine. Our financial sector, thanks to the financial crisis, and this is where you look back just over a decade ago, it's because of what we went through the financial crisis that we're in many ways much better prepared to deal with a crisis like this. So our banking system, the fact that the Bank of England immediately could have 200 billion pounds of quantitative easing straight away without even thinking about it because it's been done before. And simply bringing interest rates down to 0.1%, the lowest in the history of the Bank of England since it was formed in 1694. So those sort of measures, the way the government's acted quickly, the way that in the middle of March, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak brought in these measures of hundreds of billions of pounds of measures to try and support business get through this crisis. All that we've acted very, very quickly and very well. And and of course, there are things I think we could have done better. I mean, the the Chancellor does seem to get quite high marks from business in terms of the decisiveness in, in the way that he's acted. But in terms of where you see it going from here, a lot of people are worried that the government is writing checks that it ultimately can't cash in terms of just how much money it's spending, this idea that there's going to be a V-shaped recovery rather than this much-feared L-shape. I mean, if we don't have the V-shaped recovery and we do sort of, I guess, emerge into a depressed business environment, give us a sense of how we get out of that that, that problem, that trap. What you've got to keep doing is not only living in the moment now, not only looking ahead, but also look back to history. And if you look back to history, when we had uh, almost a century ago, uh, the the Spanish flu, we got the worry about the second wave. And there, there was a second wave, which was much worse than the first wave. So the health aspect of it, there's no running away from it. It is crucial. We've got to put that first. We've got to make sure that we suppress this curve. We've got to make sure that we try and do everything that we can to protect the people who are vulnerable, the elderly and people with, with underlying health conditions. We've got to make sure that we get the R below one. We've got to try and get our contact tracing all set up. We've got to have the technology to do that. We've got to have the people to do that. We've got to have the hospital capacity, which we've done brilliantly at. And one of the lessons I've learned from this is what works is not when government tries to control everything. In fact, that's when things don't work. What works is when there's collaboration. And the best example is that we used to marvel if you look back when China built this hospital in 10 days, this giant hospital in 10 days. Well, we've done better than that. We built the Nightingale Hospital in the Excel Center in London in nine days with the army, the Gurkhas, the private sector, the University of England, uh, of North, <laughs> University of, uh, of East London, with the NHS, all working together in a 4,000-bed hospital with 500 beds. Who needs to build it when you can take over a massive sort of uh, spectator site like the XL? And it's, and around, it's, not just, it's around the country. It's in Birmingham. Okay. The so the collaborative aspect has shown that we can do it. So the capacity is there. Now, the testing capacity is not there yet. Once we get the testing right, the antigen, and then later on the mm. antibody testing, let alone the cures that the trials are going on for. There are some drugs that have got great promise, let alone the vaccines that are working. And Britain is right ahead of the game there with what we're doing with the vaccines. So all the 
expertise of this country in science and our universities and our pharmaceutical companies is all coming to the bear now where we're showing our strengths to help us get us through uh, this crisis now. So I think I've got a lot of hope. But then if you look back in history, are we resilient enough? We've had the lowest level of unemployment in 40 years in this country. We've had fiscal deficits of less than 4%. We've got government borrowing as a percentage of GDP of less than 100%. And you go back to history, at the end of the Second World War, our government debt to GDP was over 250%. Our deficits were running at 20% a year for five, six years. We founded the NHS. We founded the welfare state. We built our economy back. So we're nowhere near that at the moment. So I think so, I mean, I mean, it's I, I often... a shaped recovery, but we will be able to recover in a strong way. Uh, and, 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 and we will, hopefully will be able to build back better. Right. Now, I often think in all of this is that a lot of people are playing fast and loose with the historical comparisons between, you know, Spanish flu to the Great Depression to the post-war recovery. I mean, obviously, that Great Depression is is the kind of the metaphor that a lot of people are, are talking about. But I mean, from what you've just said there, you don't see it like that. You see that what the fundamentals mean, we, we've got the ability to bounce back. Absolutely. Now, I don't think, unless there's some miracle, and uh, some people say that with the warmer weather, uh, this virus will dissipate and subside over the summer, and it's gone. Now, from what all the experts are saying, that is highly unlikely to happen. A, it may not just disappear, and B, it will probably, everyone is saying, come back over the winter. So as long as we are prepared, that's the challenge. Now, the challenge Mm. for sector, sector by sector, is very different. Now, look at my industry. With Cobra Beer, we supply over 6,000 restaurants. Our restaurants are shut at the moment. They are in a terrible situation. Some of them are doing takeaways, but the vast majority are closed. Now, if you're going to maintain social distancing going forward, how are you going to operate a restaurant or a bar or a pub with social distancing and tables set apart? It financially will not be viable. And but, so, but, but of course, there's no good answer here, is there? I mean, I mean, Michael Gove has made the point these will be the last businesses to, to reopen. I mean, I mean, this is a market that you know really well, and, and it's a market that's hurting. So 5 million people are employed in that sector. And what if there is, if you're going to put health first, which you have to, and the government can put health first, but the consumers and the public also will not be comfortable going into crowded places if they're worried about catching what is a very dangerous disease and a very contagious virus. So we've got to get on top of the virus. I mean, if people describe it as a war against coronavirus, a war against COVID-19, in many ways it is a war against this invisible disease that doesn't discriminate. And, and so that is the challenge. So I suppose you've spoken in the armory in that war. You've spoken about collaboration. You've spoken about innovation. Um, you've talked about activism and positivity. But I mean, I suppose the next question is, in terms of the business community itself, the idea about almost this kind of like the purpose, the idea of business as a force for good, for change. I mean, is this the moment where the right stuff in business needs to show itself in terms of what it does next? I mean, there is the issue of being part of the solution on the front line with the NHS. There's also what it means to be a good employer is this the era where the quality of business is going to show itself in your view? Absolutely. I think this is where we're very clear in Molson Coast Cobra that it's it's people first. And we're a manufacturer. We're very proud to be a high quality manufacturer of 
in my case, boast about it. I'm proud of one of the best beers in the world. But it's about our people. Whatever business you're in, whether it's B2B or B2C or manufacturing or services, it's people. And you look after your people. And leadership, the test of leadership is not in the good times. It's in the bad times. And people will remember how you treated your employees, how employees behaved at this time. And, And it will be remembered. And I think this is where the values that come through of a country on the whole. And look at the way the spirit of the country, we've come together during this lockdown, the amazing stories you hear about in the community. I've witnessed it over here. When I was ill and other members of my family were ill, people were going and doing shopping for us. People were cooking food and bringing it to us. I mean, it's phenomenal. Restaurants restaurants that are suffering are cooking hundreds of meals, hundreds of meals, taking it personally to their local hospital and serving it to the nurses and the doctors. I think that's phenomenal. On the other hand, as a country, look at the care sector. Until two weeks ago, it was all about the NHS. And what we love what the NHS is doing, we respect it, we're grateful to the NHS. What about the million people in care homes and at home in care? Half a million care homes, half at home. What about the 1.5 million people who work in the social care sector? The jobs that they were neglected, now they've not been neglected, and they're being uh, given the resources that they need. So in terms of where you see this going, you're talking about some of the kindness that we've seen. You're talking about some of the focus. But I've also heard you talk about guts in the past. You know, when I when I think about the, the Karen Billamoria story, the guts to weather tough times, to go for it, how does guts and, I guess, courage and attitude play its part in this COVID-19 moment that we're facing now? So there's no question about it. You've got dislocation. You've got anxiety. You've got uncertainty, you've got ambiguity, you've got pressure. You don't know. You don't know when this is going to end. You don't know when life's going to get back to normal. What you do know is it is. It's a question of when. And we've got to get through it. And that's where you've got to have this resilience as a country, as communities, as businesses, as leaders, is to have that resilience and the guts. And I've always described guts is the guts when you start a business is not just to do it, which takes guts, but the guts to stick with it when others would give up. And mm. this is the never give up, the sort of Winston Churchill never give up. This is when you never give up because you know I mean, you can get through it. And the advice you'd give for, you know, the restaurateur who is, you know, suffering, looking at the collapse of their business, um, the businesses that are having to furlough, the businesses that are, are fighting to stay alive at the moment, the coping mechanisms to maintain those guts. Is there advice you give them in terms of how to look at it? It's going to end. What else? The advice, we hold webinars with our restaurants every week. And the first thing is to make sure that they're looking after their families and their employees. That's priority priority number one. The next thing is to get as much help as they can. And the government is giving an array of help, whether it's rates relief or grants or delaying your taxes or delaying your tax returns or applying for government-backed loans, the CBILs, the Coronavirus Business Interruption Loan Schemes, which are getting better and better. Now you can get up to £50,000, 100% guaranteed by the government. So there's a lot of help available from the government, and you've got to access as much of that help as you can. And that's the, mm-hmm. the first advice. The next advice is to look ahead and to do whatever you can now. So if you can do takeaways, if you're doing takeaways, it's a small part of your business, but at least you're keeping your business taking over, you're getting some income in, so that when the doors open, you can hit the ground running. Uh, you can do charitable work that I've spoken about. We've got, we're going to be working with the British Asian Trust, Pr- Prince of Wales's charity, uh, to do Curry Nights In, where we raise money through takeaways, and then people donate money for South Asia to do with COVID-19. 
the many Great ways you could get involved. Lovely idea. And, mm. and you, can, you know, you can put back in the community, you can keep in touch, and you can keep going until you can get going. Now, what we're hearing here, I think, is vintage Lord Billamoria, the entrepreneur. But of course, later this year, you're going to um, presumably become uh, the next president of the CBI, uh, your vice president at the moment. Now, obviously, over the past few years, you have always been outspoken in your views, never had a problem speaking your mind um, and truth unto power. Of course, becoming president of the CBI, you're the first entrepreneur um, to do so. In terms of how you're going to have to change, will you, or can you stay true to yourself? <laughs> the CBI is a wonderful institution. It's, it's superbly resourced. And the good thing about becoming president of CBI is you spend your first year being vice president, shadowing the existing president. And the current president's been a great mentor to me. And I've been learning the ropes and also learning about the organization. And it's actually got phenomenal breadth and depth of expertise in terms of policy, economists, statisticians, um, you name it, communications in every field. So um, it's a great team to work for. And um, I'm looking forward to working with them. And of course, the idea of the CBI is to talk about our members to government and represent what their issues are. And it's a mm. region, it's throughout the regions, throughout all four countries in the United Kingdom. So we have that reach into 190,000 businesses employing 7 million people so we can represent their views across all sectors to government um, on behalf of British business. And that's the whole thing is we're championing British business um, and working with government both here in the UK and abroad. And of course, your, your, your period as, as vice president started in very different circumstances for the UK and the world. I mean, you'll enter as president in, in a completely different state of affairs. I mean, in terms of you, the person, in terms of how your mindset has shifted in that period, are you still thinking about things in the same way? Or has this crisis created maybe a next version of, of Karen uh, that we are going to see in, in this new role? About three years, uh, three decades of setting up Cobra Beer, I, I've seen so many. We started in a recession. I've nearly lost my business three times. So I know what it's like to nearly lose your business and then to build it back to rescue it. Uh, I've gone through all that. And I think that experience at a time like this as an entrepreneur, I hope will be very valuable uh, in my role at the CBI. Uh, and I think that the, the experience of being uh, in the parliament, in the House of Lords, which I will have now been in for 14 years as an independent crossbench peer, um, I think has been phenomenal experience, which again, it's not normal for a CBI president to be a sitting member uh, crossbench peer. I don't know when it last happened, if it ha if it happened. So all mm. these issues, I think, will help me in my role uh, and being an entrepreneur. And I think this is when entrepreneurship is going to be more crucial than ever. And this is when the ability for businesses who are going through the most horrible times to be able to build themselves back up, to bounce back, uh, is going to be crucial. And having lived it, I hope I can help business in that role. The, the entrepreneur, David Richards, the Wandisco founder, um, he said to me on, on on a recent podcast that um, this is the age of the contrarian, that actually entrepreneurs do not accept the rules that they're given and that actually that's going to be an important part about how they find solutions going forward. Yes. Well, well, and also the, the adapt and die, that's been a mantra of mine, that you've got to constantly adapt and die. And that, that just not me as an individual, but my company. And 
the world has changed. As Keynes said, when the facts change, I change my mind, don't you, sir? And the mm. facts have changed hugely. So we have to be able to be adaptable. And if I may, that the whole philosophy, one of my professors at Harvard Business School, who was also dean at the London Business School, Professor John Quelch, uh, he sent me a message. He said, Karen, here are seven C's for leadership and managing through a crisis. And they're so relevant. Uh, calm, confidence, communicate, collaborate, community, compassion, and cash. And they're all so relevant. And it's, it's, it's having the, the right attitude. The essential C's. Now, just a last question. Um, the, the paper that I write for, City AM, when when they announced you uh, as their leader of the year, they talked about you as exemplifying the best aspects of entrepreneurialism, globalism, and the indomitable immigrant spirit. Now, when you look at the challenges of, of COVID-19 um, in terms of the business scene, the idea of us being all so far apart, the challenges for universities, and indeed um, the whole question of migration going forward. How do you see this next chapter for us? Are we going to be this more closed set of communities or can that open spirit survive and ultimately thrive? Looking ahead, you've always got to try and see the positives as well. You've got to be realistic, but see the positives. Look at all the positives that are going to come out of this. The fact that we now know with the NHS, there's so much we've taken for granted that we now never can. With the social care sector, that was being neglected, that now never will be neglected. The fact that we've got this new immigration bill supposedly coming through from the government with this new points-based system, and yet you look at all the people who are saving our lives now in the NHS and the care sector, what a huge proportion of them are from abroad and are from the ethnic minorities. Huge proportion of doctors, huge proportion of nurses, huge proportion of care workers. These are the people who are saving our lives today. And this country has built, been built on the contribution of the ethnic minority communities, both economically and culturally over the decades. We would not be the sixth largest economy in the world with just 1% of the world's population were it not for the 14% of the ethnic minorities that contribute to our country. And we're seeing it every day today. And I think we'll appreciate that all the more in the future. Karen Billamoria, thank you very much for that. That's been another episode of The Changemakers. And I think we heard it loud and clear. Be kind, be open. And remember, it's all very much to play for. We'll see you next time.